Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. All right, over the last few weeks, we've been going over the sermon series, The Holy Spirit and... Right, the Holy Spirit, and we've been looking at a bunch of different things. In the first week, we talked about the Holy Spirit and prayer, how the Holy Spirit was involved in our prayer. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, and Kathleen, if I speak too fast, just raise your hand, wave me down. I'll try to see you, all right? I'm a notoriously fast talker, so I will try to slow down. All right, so the Holy Spirit in prayer, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times where I've been in my life that I haven't known what to pray. And I've been on my knees, and it just feels like, you know, it's just, I mean, you've all been there. You're just like, I, I don't know what to say, God. This situation, this circumstance is out of my control. Well, the Holy Spirit's involved in helping us. When we don't know what to pray, it intercedes on our behalf with God so that we're just sitting there. We could just be in tears and not really saying anything but mumble-jumbo. I mean, how many of you guys have been crying so bad you got snot everywhere, and you're just praying, and nobody, even you, can't understand what you're saying? But the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf with God so that he will hear, right? So he hears about that, or, or maybe it's just the right timing to speak. I don't know about you, there's been multiple times when I've been praying, and, and for some reason something just clicks in my head and says, you need to pray for this person. You need to pray for that. There's been times where I've woken up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I don't even know why this person's on my mind. I haven't even thought of this person and seen this person in 15 years but God's like, you need to pray. And now, I've never received that thing where, man, I was, it was like 3 a.m. and I had this thing going on and all of a sudden God changed it. And, and I was like, dude, that was me praying. I've never had that, right? But I've heard stories of missionaries that were overseas and they were in a fight for their life and something miraculous happened. And it coincided with people praying over here in the States at the exact time, the exact moment, because the Holy Spirit intervened and said, this needs to change. You need to wake up. You need to pray. And so the Holy Spirit is involved in our prayer, and that's what we talked about the first week. The second week, we talked about evangelism. How many of you guys are extroverts? Extroverts? Juniors, one extrovert. There's three or four. Wow. How many of you are introverts? Okay, so the majority of us. I'm an introvert. You may not know it by the way I act. I hide it very, very well. All right? So being an introvert means that I don't open up to people. Like, even if I know you, I probably don't open up to you as much as I probably should, right? So that makes speaking to people about Jesus, sharing my heart with them a little harder. Because, one, I'm not going to just walk up to a random stranger and be like, blah, 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 blah. So Junior and Melissa, good to see you guys this morning, by the way. They're, they're yeah, they left us. They came back. Yeah. Uh, they're in Columbus, and Pastor Mariano's there in Columbus, too. Now, Pastor Mariano, I'm on this end of the introvert spectrum. Pastor Mariano is on that wall of the extrovert spectrum, okay? He will literally go up to someone he has no idea who they are and just start talking to them and start sharing Jesus with them. That's not me, all right? So the Holy Spirit has to help me out a lot more than he probably has to help out Mariano, right? When I, when I try to help people and try to talk to them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit's there to give me the words to say, to get me outside of my comfort zone, to share the message with other people. And it's not only that, 
but it's timing. Because there's a right time to talk to people about Jesus, and there's a wrong time to talk to people about Jesus. And I know that sounds weird, but if you walk up to someone who's in a terrible situation, and you just say, well, you just need to pray more, that's the wrong thing to say to that person. All right? But if you be a friend to them, and you do life with them, you share in their pains and their sorrows and their joys and their successes, there's going to become a moment where the Holy Spirit's going to be like, now's the time. Now's the time to share what you know. Because now they know that you care, and then they're going to care what you know. Right? So the Holy Spirit helps us out in evangelism at the timing, but it also tells us who to speak to. Like Pastor Mariano, there's times where I'm in a place that I know nobody, and someone just happens to be talking to me, and God says, all right, I want you to say this. And I'm like, why? Why? Okay, now to be honest, I don't always listen to that voice because, again, I'm an introvert, right? But when I do, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does through me. And it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Because, again, introvert, don't like talking to people, okay? So the Holy Spirit helps with prayer and evangelism. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit baptism was poured out on people. And I always tell my students to think about that day because it says the sound of a rushing wind and tongues of fire came down. It doesn't say that there was actually wind in the room. It just says there was a sound of a rushing wind. Man, can you imagine that? All of a sudden, and you're like, dude, everybody's hair is still perfect. Yes, right? But it was a day that 120 people roughly we're baptizing the Holy Spirit, and the course of the church was changed dramatically. The course of the church on that day, they went from 120, that day 3,000 people came to know Jesus. Now, there's roughly 120 people in our building on any given Sunday. Imagine that all of a sudden we went from 120 to 3,120. There's a lot of logistical issues that are going to have to happen in that moment. Like, well, there's no building in Lexington that can hold us. Even the campground only holds 500 people. I mean, that's, that's seven services. Um, that's a long Sunday afternoon, all right? Just saying, that's a lot of singing. My, my fingers would be bleeding probably from playing the guitar that much. Be like, all right, guys, the first service gets the worship, and we're just going to play videos for the rest. You're good, all right? But anyways, that's, next, that's in a couple of weeks. Next week we have... Uh, Curtis Hubble. So in the week after that, I believe Pastor X will be sharing Pentecost. And that was an awesome moment in church history. In the book of Acts, and, and it's, you hear the book of Acts, but it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit is essentially what the Holy Spirit did through the church. And so today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and water baptism. And I know that sounds like a weird, weird setup, but when you think about it, Water baptism is just you professing your faith in what Christ has done, and the Holy Spirit is the one through Christ's power who does that thing in your life. You are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're changed by him living in your life, showing you the way to go, doing the things that you need to do. And so this morning, I just want to talk first about what water baptism is, and then I want to jump into what the Holy Spirit does in our lives that coincides with water baptism. So water baptism, it's something that we're commanded to do in Matthew 28, 19. I don't know if the youth group knows, but Matthew 28, 19 is our youth theme verse, all right? And I'm sorry, Spanish church, if those words are off, I did my best to use Google Translate. 
And that's not always perfect, so bear with me, okay? The verses that I put up there should be spot on. They come straight from Bible Gateway, so as long as Bible Gateway is right, all right? So we're commanded in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go into all nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is, this, is what it's saying. So we're commanded by Jesus. One, we're supposed to make disciples. And two, we're supposed to be baptized. It's one of the two ordinances of the churches that we believe in. The first one we did today, which was communion. That's one ordinance or one thing that we're supposed to obey Christ in doing. Because he said, do this in remembrance of me, right? The second thing is water baptism. We're supposed to do it. And it's nothing that's a salvation issue. I want to make that point. Baptism in water is not a salvation issue. Is not something that's going to send you to hell if you don't get baptized. But what it is, is an obedience issue. Something that we're supposed to obey Christ and to do. So the first thing is, water baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. It's literally just a public declaration saying that God has done something amazing in me. And I just want to share it. I just want to share to you guys, to the world, saying that God has done something in me. And that's it. That's all that it is. That's why we say when we baptize, we used to do it where these triangles are, but that's really hard to fill up and keep warm, so we do a stock tank right over here, which is a lot easier, not quite as beautiful as that, but it still works, right? But when we plunge someone under, right before we say, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Based upon your profession of faith. That's the whole point. You are professing that you believe in Christ. And now you're showing the world that you're baptized, right? It's just declaring to your friends and family that Christ has made you new, that you're going to do your best to follow his commandments. It's not a holier-than-thou moment where you're like, look at me, I'm baptized. It's more like, look at me, what God has done in me. It should be more like, look at what God has done, not look at me, right? So that's the first thing. It's an outward expression of an inward change. And then when we're baptized, it symbolizes our death with Christ. I know this, this sounds weird, but when you're plunged under, it symbolizes you being baptized into the death when Christ died with our sins, and you're submerged into death with him. Look at this verse in Romans, Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 3. It should be on the screen for both people, uh, English and Spanish. Hopefully you can read that. That's pretty small. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 3, it says this, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. We were baptized to Christ in his death. Christ died for our sins, and he was put in the tomb. And when we're plunged under the water, we're signifying the same thing, that we believe that Christ did that for us. And it's a symbol for us saying, yes, we were baptized, we're buried with Christ. But the cool thing is, is it doesn't end there. Baptism just symbolizes that we accept Christ's work on the cross on our behalf, right? And the cool thing is, is this, is when we come out of the water, it symbolizes our new life with him. Christ didn't stay in the tomb. We don't have to stay the old person that we used to be. And that's not because of anything that we could do, but it's everything that Christ did on our behalf. So when we come out of the water, it symbolizes Christ being raised from the dead on the third day. He took our sins. He took our shame. 
He took our guilt. Can you imagine that moment for him on the cross? Someone who had lived a perfect life and then at that moment took all of our sins. It's an incredible thing. So when we're baptized, we're celebrating the fact that not only did he do that, he died on the cross, his blood was shed as a perfect sacrifice, but he also rose from the dead. And because of that, we get to rise a new life with him. That when our life is over, because trust me, we're human, we're going to end eventually, whether that's Jesus coming back and we get to raise up in the clouds with him or we die like normal people and we go to heaven that way, right? But we get to spend eternity with him. That's what baptism celebrates. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that I don't have to be the same person. I remember the person I used to be, and I'm glad I don't have to be him. I'm glad I don't have to have the same pain, the same struggles, the same guilt and shame because Christ has died for me, and I celebrate that. So water baptism is just an expression of faith, an expression of what God has done in your life. That's as simple as that. Simple teaching on water baptism. So what's the Holy Spirit's role in water baptism? Water baptism is us saying that God has done something in our life. The Holy Spirit's role is doing that something in our life. The one that helps us change. The one that guides us down the path that we need to do. And so what I want to say is I want to just look at the Holy Spirit's role. And he does a lot more than three things. But I'm going to talk about three things. About what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And the first thing is this, he convicts us of sin. The first one's the best one, right? This is the one that everybody's like, yes, he convicts us of sin, let's go, right? No, no, we don't like it when the Holy Spirit pokes at us and says, hey, dude, you need to change a little bit. You got some things going on here that really don't agree. I mean, have you read the Bible today? Just saying, it's just you and the Bible aren't meshing very well today, right? How many of you have been in that moment where Holy Spirit, whether you're reading or something, and it's just like, woof. God, I've read that thing like 40 times, and now you're telling me this? You could have done it like 39 times ago. It would have been okay. But anyways, in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11, and again, it will be on the screen. Wow, that's really small. Sorry about that. I'll remember for next time. It says this, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't go. Can you believe that? Jesus is like, dude, I need to leave. It's better for you if I leave, because the advocate, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Okay, first of all, Jesus, you're the creator. You're awesome, but yet you want to leave. Hmm. Interesting. So when he comes... It says, uh, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness in the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. Like I said before, how many of you have been reading your Bible? Maybe it's been a passage that you've read a billion times. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to you and says, hey... This is talking to you today. This is something you need to work on. I can't tell you. There's been a lot of times where I've been just reading, and all of a sudden I'm just like, wow, that hurts. I need to change. 
That's the Holy Spirit speaking in our lives. And sometimes it's when you're praying and you're down on your knees praying and God's like, I know this is what you want, but you need to go fix that first. You need to go make that relationship right before I help you out. Or maybe you got in an argument with someone and you're like, God, that person, I just can't believe them. Can you believe what they did to me, God? And God's like, what did you do to them? That's the Holy Spirit convicting us saying, hey, it goes both ways, man. You need to change just like they need to change. You need to be the better person and then watch what happens in their life. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And it's not so that we can feel like we're in trouble, so that we can feel guilty or have shame in our lives. It's like a parent disciplining their child. When you think about it, most parents don't discipline their child to be evil. Some do. I'll, I'll give that out there. Most parents don't discipline their child because they're evil. They discipline them because they see something in their life that they want to change and say, I don't want you to be defined by this in the future. The Holy Spirit does the same thing with us. He's like, this is something that if you don't change, it's going to define your life in the future. So we're going to nip it in the bud right now, and then you'll be different. I mean, you think about it. You catch your kid stealing even just a candy bar from the gas station. You're going to be like, all right, first of all, you're grounded for eternity, all right? Second of all, I'm going to require you to go back. And honestly, the punishment of going back and telling someone that you've stolen from them is probably worse than anything I could do. So it's like, you're going to go back, you're going to tell them that you stole, and you're going to make it right. You're going to pay them double or whatever it is, right? You want to change the trajectory of their life so that they don't steal again. The same thing with lying. If you catch it, when I was a kid and my parents caught me lying, it was soap in the mouth. Whether it was Don dish soap or the bar soap that was in the bathroom, which now that I think about is disgusting, right? But still, I learned not to lie, right? Changed. Talking back. Funny story about talking back. When I was 16, 17 years old, I was sitting in our truck with my dad. My dad had his hand behind my head, and I was just making fun of my mom, and, and we were having fun together. She said something, and I talked back, and you just, just so you know, my dad had his hand in perfect denozo position where he just, bam! He's like, don't talk back to your mom. I'm like, okay, I thought we were just playing around, right? So you discipline your children so that they won't be the same in the future. No offense, but we don't want children that are brats in the future. We want children that celebrate and love God and who are decent individuals. So just like we discipline our kids, the Holy Spirit disciplines us, points things out in our lives that we need to change, that we need to do different on. The second thing is he renews. So first before that, the question becomes, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning about something? Is he convicting you of something? Maybe it's been over the last few weeks. Maybe it's right here in this moment. God's just saying, hey, I've been talking to you, and you need to change. Are you listening? Are you willing to listen? We're going to have a time where you can respond to that. Second thing is he renews us with God. Titus 3, 3 through 7 says this. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. Huh, really? We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives are full of evil and envy. We hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of what we had done, the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. The Holy Spirit makes us new through his power. Christ's work on the cross and the Holy Spirit's work in our life takes what was old and nasty and turns it into something that God says, that's beautiful. Now, God loves us no matter what, but when we're in sin, God and us don't mesh well together. It's like oil and water, but it does say, the Bible does say, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. But let me tell you this, even though God loves everyone, on the day of judgment, he's still going to be sending people to hell. And so the Holy Spirit's job in our lives, he convicts us, and when we respond to that conviction and we do something different, he renews us into something new. It's like what we did in the fellowship hall this week. We took something that had old, nasty, coffee-stained, food-stained, God knows what else-stained carpet, and we turned it into a room that's beautiful. We took the carpet and replaced it. We put new paint on the walls. We changed it into something nicer than it was before. And that's what the Holy Spirit, through the power of Christ, does in our lives, is he takes something that was old and dingy and dusty and had cobwebs, and he turns it into something beautiful. It's a process that we call progressive sanctification. It's a $5,000 word or $10 word. I don't know what you want to call it for just saying that God makes us new over a period of time. That's sanctification, becoming right with God, becoming more like God on a daily basis, making us new every day. So the question becomes, is there areas in your life that you need to make new? Maybe there's areas you've been holding on to because they're comfortable Maybe you've been holding on to because you don't want to change. But God's saying, hey, I've worked on all these other rooms in your heart. There's this one that's still, I mean, honestly, the carpet in there is nasty. The walls are falling apart. Let me do some work in your life and change you for the better. Is God speaking to you and saying there's a room in your life that needs to be changed to be made new? The last thing he does is he empowers us to live a life for Christ. I don't know about you, but I've tried to live my life for Christ on my own power. It don't work. I'm born and bred right here in Lexington, Nebraska. My family's Germans, and it's all about stubbornness and doing things on your own power, not asking for help. That's partly my introvert side, too. I don't want to talk to people. But not asking for help. But you can't do faith on your own. You can't change yourself on your own. Have you ever tried to conquer a sin on your own? Okay. I love soda. Absolutely like to drink it pretty much every day, multiple times a day. Pop is my jam, right? I've tried to overcome that on my own power, and it works for a while, though I feel sicker than a dog, right? It works for a while, but I always go back. It's because I'm trying to do it on my own. There's no accountability there. Same thing with Christ. When we want to live a life of Christ, you can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit does it for you in your life. Galatians 5, we talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but a little bit before that, 5, 16 through 18 says this, and then 22 through 23. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Of course, right? And what the Spirit gives us desires, the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. 
But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. And then jump to verse 22. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When we focus on the things that we shouldn't, we tend to drift towards those things. When we focus on not doing those things, it still puts that focus in our lives. And we're like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Okay, I, I liken it to the red button syndrome. All right? How many of you guys have seen a cartoon and on the cartoon, there's a button, and it says, do not touch. And 100 out of 100 cartoons that say, do not touch red button, they touch the red button, right? When you look at your life and you're saying, do not touch those things, without the power of the Spirit, you're going to touch those things. But what the Holy Spirit does is gives us power over the sin in our lives. When we focus on what the Spirit has for our lives, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit instead of the sinful things that we crave, the sinful things that our nature desires, right? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The world's searching for peace, and we've got the answer. The world's searching for joy, and we've got the answer for love. I don't know how many people are searching for patience, but I'm sure there's people searching for patience, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If everyone in the world lived those things out in their life, our world would change overnight. But let me put it in this term. If everyone in our churches lived the fruit of the Spirit out in their life, our world would still change overnight. There's so many of us that are trying to do our walk with God on our own, and it's impossible. You can't do it, but with the Spirit's power, you can with the Spirit's power, you can live your life the way that God wants you to do. And you can become exactly what God wants you to become. You can't do it on your own. So my question again is, are you living a life that's full of God's Spirit? Are you living a life that has the fruit of the Spirit evident? And not just one or two. It says the fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruit of the Spirit is only some of these. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So we've talked about water baptism. And if I could have the worship team come back up. And Garrett, wherever you are with my guitar, if you want to bring that back up too. We talked about water baptism and how it's a public declaration of an inward change. And the Holy Spirit is pivotal in that inward change in our lives. That change while we can accept Christ and Christ does work in our lives, it's, it's more powerful and magnified by the Holy Spirit in our lives too, right? But this is all just knowledge. It's all just words that I've spoken unless you do something with it. There's no power in a service or in the word of God unless you take those words and you apply them to your life. Like I told the students a couple of weeks ago, this is just a book on the shelf unless you do something with it. You can read it, and if you don't do something, it's just words on a page. So the same thing with a sermon. Anytime that God's speaking is that if you don't do something with it, it's just words. It's just empty noise in your head that you're going to forget when you walk out the door. So I encourage you this morning, I've asked you a few questions. And I just want you to think on those questions because I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And the first thing is the Holy Spirit convicting you of something in your life. Is there something that the Holy Spirit's been working on you and you just haven't, haven't given in? 
and haven't said, you know what, God, you're right. I need to change that. Are you listening to him? Because let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit's only going to prod so long before he just lets you do what you're going to do anyways. Now, there's always a time when you can come back to him. But it's going to be after a lot of pain and torment in your own heart. So is the Holy Spirit convicting you? Are there areas in your life that the Holy Spirit needs to renew? Maybe you felt the conviction and you responded to it a little bit, but you haven't changed. You haven't done anything about it. And there's still that empty, dingy room in your heart that God's like, I have something special for that area, but you need to give it to me. You need to hand it over to me. You need that new carpet, a fresh coat of paint, sweep out the cobwebs to become something new. And the last one is, is are you living a life full of faith, full of the Spirit, and living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Because honestly, we're not doing what God wants us to do until we're living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So if that's one of those things, you feel like the Spirit's leading you in this moment, whether it's the conviction, the renewing, or that you just need to live a more fruitful life. I'm going to say a prayer, and as we sing this last song, I just encourage you to get alone with God. It can be right there with your seat. It can be up here at the altars where someone will pray with you. And if you have any other needs, something's going on in your life, this is the place for you too. Someone will be here to pray with you. But don't leave if God's pressing on your heart. Don't leave these without responding to what he's doing. Because this is the best time. It's right when it's fresh, right when he's still prodding. And I'm not saying that you, maybe you don't feel it now and later and down the road, you get your road rage on and the Holy Spirit may convict you. That may happen to you, right? But be willing to listen to the Spirit in this moment and in every moment in your life. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the things that you've done, Lord Jesus. The things you've done in my life and the things that you're continuing to do through your Spirit, Lord. God, I just ask that if there are people in this room who are feeling the conviction of sin on their lives, that they wouldn't stop there, that they wouldn't just hear it, God, but they would do something with it, that they would change in such a way that they can be renewed, that they can be made into something that you want them to be, Lord. So, God, I just ask that you would speak to our lives. And if there's some of us that maybe we felt the conviction and we've started the process, but yet we're not renewing, we're not trying to change that room in our hearts, God, help us to do that. Help us to give it all to you. God, it may be comfortable, it may be smelly, and it may be ours, but God, we want it to be something that you created in us, something that you've renewed in us. So let us listen to the Spirit. And God, help us to live by your Spirit and live the fruit of your Spirit. God, empower us to live our lives in the way that we need to. Empower us to live our lives with the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and self-control because God if we can learn to do that as a church the world will be changed people's lives would be changed our families will be changed our job places will be changed so God speak to us this morning and let us respond let us not leave without doing what you want us to do Lord Jesus we're going to sing the last song and I just encourage you to, to find a place to pray